Uh, but our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from Acts chapter 1. Uh, it is uh, part one of our, our Pentecost readings. Uh, Acts will be part of our, actually, our somewhere in the scriptures. And so this kind of gives you a little bit of, a, of a, you know, an intro into it. And really these first eight verses, we're reading Acts 1, 1 through 8 this morning. Uh, these first eight verses for me kind of foreshadow uh, the rest of the book. They kind of give us an idea of what's going to take place. And so you can take these first eight verses we'll talk about this morning. And then about midway through the summer when we get into Acts, you can remember them and be like, oh, yeah, we, we talked about that. And, and this is really setting the stage for the rest of what happens throughout the book of Acts. Uh, in your Bible, it's probably called the Acts of the Apostles. And, and we look and we see, you know, what all the different apostles are doing. The disciples of Jesus, you know, uh, John, James, Peter, Paul. Uh, we see them all going out, but I think a better title uh, for it, if they gave me the you know, opportunity to name books of the Bible, uh, I, they didn't, but if they did, uh, I, think, I think I would call it the acts of the Holy Spirit, right? Because what we see throughout the book is the way that the Holy Spirit is empowering uh, the followers of Jesus to go out and to do the work that Jesus called them to. And these first eight verses kind of set the stage for us. So we're reading here in Acts chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, uh, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning. Oh, yeah, so this is another important part. Uh, I mean, the, the book of Acts is written by Luke. And so the first part that he's talking about uh, is the gospel of, according to Luke. Luke is writing this as well. This is kind of the sequel, right? And, and Luke He's telling us about what Jesus did. Uh, he's telling about us about this inbreaking kingdom of God that's made known to us in Jesus. In, in Acts, uh, it's kind of the, yeah, it's the sequel to it, but it's, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the way that uh, God is empowering his people to live as participants within that kingdom of God. People to live under the reign of Jesus our King. And so it says in the first book, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And, and you can read more of these kind of appearances of Jesus to the disciples at the end of Luke's gospel, at the end of John's gospel. It talks about a few of those times when Jesus showed up with them. And then it says here in verse 4, while staying with them, uh, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Say thanks be to God. Let us pray. Uh, Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word, uh, for the truth that it brings into our lives. And so uh, we pray uh, this morning that, that your word truly would speak to us, uh, that it would sink down deep within our hearts and souls, that it would bring life unto us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Jesus' instruction uh, to the disciples, and, and I believe his instructions for us as well, uh, is wait. You know, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait uh, for me to send this gift that comes from the Father. 
And then when this gift from the Father, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, a power from on high. And this power will make you a witness, my witness in Jerusalem, the the kind of the place where you're at in Judea, which is sort of the the whole country in which you live in, Samaria, the people that you don't quite get along with, uh, and even to the ends of the earth. But as you wait, as you wait on me, God will send the Holy Spirit into your life, into your heart, into your soul, into your very being, and you will receive power. Not power that comes from you, uh, not power that you can create, but power that comes from on high, and you will become my witnesses. And, and there's a few things I think about this uh, power that comes from on high that, that really stands out to us. Uh, as we see what this power looks like, uh, one of the things that it refers to is uh, when Jesus is teaching his disciples, and this is back in, um, in Luke's gospel, uh, he said, or actually in John, in John 14, 12, he says, Whoever believes in me uh, will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. When Jesus talks about receiving power from on high, he's saying, the same things that you saw me do, you're going to receive power to do those same things as well. You're going to receive the power to, to be as I, as I was, to live as I lived, to perform the same works that you saw in me. You're going to receive that kind of power. And I think one of the temptations of our church this day and age is to think, well, maybe that time has gone past. Like maybe, maybe Jesus meant that for someone else, but maybe that's not for me. But I think that promise is still for us the same way it was for the disciples. I mean, we see the disciples, uh, as soon as they have this baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes upon them on Pentecost Sunday, they begin to go out and they begin to do the things that Jesus did. Uh, in Acts chapter three, you'll read it later this summer, but, uh, Peter and John, they're walking up towards the temple to pray. And there's a guy who's sitting on the side. He's been, uh, he's been lame and he, he can't walk. He can't get up and move about on his own. And, and he's there and he's begging for alms. He's crying out, somebody give me something. Peter and John, they look at him. Uh, they look him right in the eye. They say silver and gold. Uh, we don't have any of that. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Uh, guy stands up and he begins to walk right the same things that jesus did the same ways in which jesus worked miraculously in people's lives we begin to see that in the apostles in the book of acts uh, there's miracles that we see being done in the early church if you go back and read uh through through the through the stories of the the early church the writings of the church fathers in the first several centuries there's people who are miraculously healed even to this day uh, we see it around us and and I can be as skeptical as, as the next person, right, whenever it comes to, to some of these things, you know. Uh, but even just a couple of weeks ago, we heard testimony from one of our students of a way in which God healed her, did a healing work within her body, right? I, I don't know why everybody who asks for healing isn't healed. Uh, that's probably a, a sermon for, for another week. But what we do see is this promise that God gives us. This promise that Jesus has for us, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there will be power. And Jesus says you will do even greater things than what I have done. I believe there are these greater things for us. Now, the greater things are not just for our benefit. It's not just so that we somehow gain from it. But I think the, the benefit, the gain from it that Jesus says is you'll receive power so that you'll become my witnesses. 
Right? The power that God gives isn't just so that uh, we're walking around like, like superheroes on earth. But we're walking around because in all that we're doing, we can give witness. We can testify to who he is, to what he's done. You know, the disciples, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. It's about Jesus. And all of the acts, as you read through the acts of the apostles, whatever they're doing, it's all pointing towards Jesus. It's not about who they are. It's not about benefiting them. In fact, uh, I believe all of the disciples end up suffering and being martyred in his name. But they're going through their day-to-day life filled with his power, testifying and giving witness to who he is. And and that's the same power that is for us. That's the same Holy Spirit that wants to move and work within us and within our lives. And that empowered living at times might be signs and wonders. At times, that empowered living might be the Holy Spirit's presence to be our comfort, uh, to be our peace, to be our source of strength in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of life. Uh, In Scripture, as Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, sending the Holy Spirit, he, he talks about the Holy Spirit being our advocate, the Holy Spirit being our comfort. Uh, later on, Paul will talk about the, the comfort of God that comes to us. Uh, and he says that God comforts us in our weakness. God comforts us in our sufferings and our struggles so that we might be a comfort to others. You know, I, I've, I've seen, especially in the life of this church, people who have suffered even to the point of death, but they've been able to do so with joy because the Holy Spirit is working within them. So that even though their body might be failing, their spirit is rejoicing because they're living empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're they're walking in tune with the Spirit. And so though their body might be failing, uh, they have joy within their hearts. I've talked with other people who've been a part of this church, uh, who have had loved ones who've passed away. Been in the midst of, of grief and deep sorrow over the passing of a loved one who've said, You know, in the midst of my praying, I felt God's hand upon me and it gave me a peace. It gave me a strength to endure what was going on. When we talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, it can be that comforting presence that meets us in the midst of great pain and great loss. That that gives us a sense of knowing that God is with us. That we're not going through our situations alone. uh, That we can face the next day. That we can face tomorrow. uh, Because we know that he lives and that he lives within us. So the Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us God's very comfort and presence and peace to work within us. So it might be able to point others towards that same comfort as well. So that being strengthened and filled with his joy, we might be able to offer that same strength and joy towards others. And then the scripture goes on in Galatians 5.22. And it talks to us about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Another way in which the Holy Spirit empowers us is by shaping our character, by by shaping and changing who we are. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These aren't uh, fruits that we just bring about on our own. They're they're not things that we can just make happen on our own, uh, but they come as the Spirit empowers us. They are fruits of the Spirit, not fruits of our our good living, not fruits of our desires or our wants. But as we're walking in tune with the Spirit, He brings these things to life within us. So Jesus' instructions to the disciples, uh, Jesus' instructions to us is to wait. Wait on this gift that comes from the Father. Wait 
for the Holy Spirit to come so that you might have that empowered living. So we read uh, these instructions that Jesus has uh, in Acts 1 through 8. If you continue to read on, I believe it's in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. It talks about the way that the disciples waited. It says they all got together in a room together. Uh, They spent time praying. Those who had followed Jesus as well as some of the women who had been following and gathered with him. Some of his brothers. They were all gathered together and they devoted themselves to prayer. uh, Sharing in life together. Uh, talking about the things that they've seen Jesus do, uh, giving witness to what they had experienced in him and spending much time in prayer. Their, their waiting wasn't just an empty waiting. It wasn't just, uh, you know, counting the clock to see how much time they had left. Uh, it wasn't trying to form some sort of countdown, but it was an active, uh, a seeking waiting, looking and longing for God's presence and power to be at work within them. A, a prayer of, you know, Before they even knew to say, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, and move and work within us. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. I invite you into my life. And so when we want to live that empowered life by the Holy Spirit, it means first we spend much time in waiting and much time in prayer. Uh, Waiting means that it's something that we don't have control of, right? That we can't manufacture it. I have to wait for God to give it. We might have a, a very meaningful worship time, a time of singing and, and prayer, and, and yet we're still, we're still waiting. We can't make it happen. There might be a great sermon, uh, but that doesn't make the Holy Spirit move. There, there could be a great guest speaker or, or event or other thing that happens, and that doesn't make the Holy Spirit move. In fact, in John 3, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, and he says, the Holy Spirit is, is like a wind that blows where he chooses. Moves how he decides to move, goes where he decides that he wants to go. Like we don't have control over it, but we do have this promise that as we wait on the Lord, as we seek him, as we, as we ask, as we knock, that God will give us the Holy Spirit. It's in Luke's gospel and Jesus says this. He tells us, he gives us this instruction. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? And so we wait. We seek. We pray. And then God shows up and he begins to move and work and do the things that only God can do. You know, last Sunday, uh, we talked about uh, John Wesley a little bit. I think we talked about it more in our, in our um, traditional services than here, but it was Aldersgate Sunday. And Aldersgate Sunday is when we remember the experience that John Wesley had when he said that his heart was strangely warmed. Uh, and so John Wesley uh, was kind of the, the founder, the, the lead person within the Methodist movement. Uh, he had been a Christian his whole life. He grew up, his father was a, a priest in the Church of England. He went to school, he became a priest in the Church of England. He went on a missionary journey to Georgia, uh, back when, before it was a colony. Uh, he was going to go and, and witness and preach to the, the Native Americans and to the people who were colonizing and settling here. Uh, his mission trip kind of failed, and so he came back really dejected. Uh, but on that trip, he had met a group of Moravians, uh, actually on the, on the ride back to England from Georgia. There was a huge storm that came up and the boat was being tossed to and fro. He was in a panic. He thought that he was going to die, that he wasn't going to make it. And he saw this group of uh, Moravians, just kind of another denomination of Christians. And they were there gathered and they were praying and they were singing hymns. He said they were just at peace. 
And so Wesley thought to himself, he's like, I want a faith like that, where even in the middle of the storm, I can be at peace, you know, because, because I know what God has for me, because I know the promises of God. And so he's praying, he's waiting, and he's, he's looking, and he's longing. Uh, and then he gets an invitation uh, to meet with a group of Moravians on Aldersgate Street. Uh, they're doing a study of the book of Romans, and they're reading through uh, Luther's writings, Luther's commentary. And John Wesley writes and he says, while they were reading through the preface, right before they even got into the readings, they're just talking about what is to come in the rest of the book. It says he felt that his heart was strangely warm, that he did believe, he be- believed in God. He believed that through faith that he had salvation, that, uh, that through God's grace alone, that he had been saved. And, and really in that moment, while it sounds so simplistic, his whole life changed. I mean, it's like this moment he had been waiting for for the first 35 years of his life. All of a sudden, there was something that was different because he had this heartwarming experience. I would say uh, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And from that point forward, he began to go out and proclaim the good news to people uh, out in the fields, out in the mines. He began to gather people in small groups so they could encourage one another, hold each other accountable, study the scriptures together. Uh, and it really launched the Methodist movement. I mean, we are, we're here today because of this heartwarming experience that John Wesley had in May 24th, 1738. That's why this church is here, because way back then, the Holy Spirit moved within his life, empowered him, and he went out and he began to be a witness throughout England, and it spread into the United States and now all over the world. But he waited It didn't happen instantaneously. It didn't happen exactly when he wanted. Uh, It didn't happen just because he was a Christian. But as he began to seek and long for more and more of God in his life, God showed up. Uh, I have a a friend. Uh, Her name is Missy. And uh, Missy has been in ministry for a long time. Uh, she'd been doing uh, ministry for a long time. She had done youth ministry. She even became a consultant where she would travel all over the country to talk to people about youth and children's ministry, how they could develop systems that would help them have you know, better processes that would grow stronger ministries together. I mean, she was somebody who uh, was, was really striving to live out her calling as a follower of Jesus. But she felt like there was something more. Uh, that God had for her. She felt like there was, there was something greater that God wanted to do within her life. And so she began to pray about it. And she began to pray in like weeks and months of prayer. Uh, and then she said all of a sudden one day, she just felt something different inside. Right? This, this joy that she couldn't explain, that she didn't know what to do with, she didn't know where it came from, but she just felt something had changed within her heart. And then, uh, and then she was telling me this story and she came to me because she knew I had Pentecostal roots. Like I grew up in Pentecostal churches before moving into more Methodist, a little bit tamer church. Uh, but, uh, she came and she was talking to me about it and she said, you know, now though, after this moment, whenever I'm in worship uh, and, and I'm sitting there, sometimes my leg will just start to like shake. She's like, uncontrollably, like I don't, I can't stop it. It's just doing its thing. And she was self-conscious about it, right? She's like, what are people going to think if they see it? She's like sitting there trying to hold it down. She would get up and walk into another part of the building. Uh, but she said she didn't know what it was. But it happened ever since this, this point in time, uh, whenever uh, this inward change had taken place within her. And, and I don't know what the Holy Spirit was trying to say to her in those moments. If, if that was the Holy Spirit saying, well, Missy, you know, you need to get up and dance and cut loose. Or if it was, you know, the, the Holy Spirit trying to give her some other kind of direction. 
And as, as awkward and as strange as it might sound, if there was somebody that I needed to pray for me, if I needed a miracle within my life, Missy would be one of those people that I would go to and I would say, Missy, I need you to, to lay hands and pray for me. Because I know when she talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an authenticity to it. There, there's a realness that exists there. It's not just, you know, it's not just words. It's not something that she's just playing around with. That there's this change that took place within her when she was filled with the Spirit's power. And she's gone on to become a witness to who Jesus is, even more so than before, with, with more effectiveness and more power because of the Spirit's work within her. But it came as she was seeking, as she was asking, as she was looking for more of God within her life. And so, uh, you know, I would invite us as a church, as, as people, uh, to look forward to long for the, the more that God has for us. Uh, whether you've been a, a Christian, you know, your whole life, or whether you're just now exploring what it means to be a person of faith, there is something more that God has for you. Something more that God has for us. There's a, a, a deeper sense of connection that we can have with God. There's a, a deeper walk that we can have with God, a deeper sense of peace that we can have with God, a deeper joy that we can have with God. There's a more empowered kind of life that is for us as we seek for, as, as we wait for, as we long for the Holy Spirit's work within our lives. And so this morning, I'm just going to invite us to take some time to spend in prayer, to spend time waiting Inviting God to do that more within us. Inviting God to do that greater thing within us. Inviting the Holy Spirit to, to come and to show up and to move and work within our lives. And my hope would be that this wouldn't just be a thing that we do on Sunday mornings, but that as a part of our regular day-to-day life and activities, as a part of our regular devotional time, that we might seek for and long for and ask for that more. To ask for that empowered life that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. But